got to get a table up there for chance. We can get one. Control the slides. Yeah, you gotta control the slides because he can't. <laughs> yeah, because it's trying to connect to the server. What's that? It's trying to connect to the server. Oh. To a uh, worship team and all that. Uh huh. So even if he did have the stuff to control it up there, he wouldn't be able to.
getting chilly back here. Huh? It's getting a little chilly back here. That's what I told him. I says, if I get cold, you know they're freezing up here. I know. You got both of them, Chad? The mute and the bring the music down? I'm bringing it slowly. Bring the music down. I want to say, you know, on behalf of the Passion family, uh, you know, we mourn with you. And, uh, you know, I think that this church is amazing. They diligently came through and, you know, uh, serving your family in your time. And, um, probably one of the hardest things you ever go through as a family, but, uh, as fact, it is the hardest. But our love to you, your family, um, you know, your dad is a great man. Uh, I was honored to know your dad and uh, have the pleasant time I had with him over the last 10 years or so. And, uh, so, uh, our hearts are the young friends. And thanks to Passion Community Church for being who you are. Because uh, several people of this church stepped up in some way, shape, or form, and uh, you know offered their their hands and feet, uh, their ability, uh, and served you know, Pastor and his family. So kudos to you. God bless you for that. Um, we're going to get into this word this morning. How many ready to receive the word of God today? I I need the word of God. You need the word of God. Sustenance to our soul. So we're going to bring something to you today, hopefully uh, prayerfully, and encourages you and builds you up and helps you on your journey with Christ. Uh, if, you'll, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read the first uh, few verses here, 3 through 9. 2 Peter chapter 1. The title of this sermon this morning is called Building Upon Faith. Building upon faith. Before we read, we want to just go ahead and pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God, for this day and this time, this opportunity we have to come into your house. Lord, to just lift up our praises and our worship to you. Lord, with thanksgiving and honor and glory to your name. God, we just pray this morning that, Lord, as we continue this service, God, that you would just continue to pour out your spirit here. That you would overflow us with your love, your goodness, your grace, your power. 
Jesus. I pray, God, that, Lord, as we proclaim your word, that your word would accomplish your will and your purposes. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me, that you would accomplish what you desire. Your glory for the building up of your people, your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we find here in 2 Peter chapter 1, the apostle Peter, who had been discipled himself by the master disciple of Jesus Christ, now writes to us in the same discipling manner, having knowledge and wisdom of what followers of Christ would need in order to grow and mature in their faith. We need to grow and we need to mature in our faith. And so the Apostle uh, Peter understands this and knows this, having been brought up under the wings of Jesus Christ himself. The life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ has made available the exceedingly great and precious promises of God to those who are called by his name. <coughs> we are called by his name when we receive Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as our Lord, our Savior, and our Master. By taking the next step and subsequent steps of adding to our faith, we lay hold of these precious promises and blessings from God because we walk in them daily. Now we can hear about the promises of God. We can, we can uh, as we're going to read here, they're exceedingly great and precious promises. But unless you can walk in them daily, they don't avail to you very much at all. We want to go this morning from like what Corey was talking about last week, living off the milk of the word and living off the meat. So today we're going to bring some meat. Let's take this journey together today and grow deeper in our faith and see what God will do in us and through us. Let's read 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 9. When you get there, say amen. All right, I'm glad you have about your mind. Verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature. That's important that we understand this concept of being partakers of the divine nature. And I will, I will talk more about that later on in this sermon. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. To self-control, perseverance. To perseverance, godliness. To godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. If we neglect these things, verse 9, and we lack these things, we forget where we came from. We forget the bodies of sin that we were saved 
from, that we will redeem from. So the Apostle Peter is telling us, hey, these are the things that you need to add to your faith. Add to your faith. I want you to differentiate, though, between what we just read, what we just heard, and what what uh, salvation really means. Salvation, point number one this morning, is the gift of God, which is activated by faith through the vehicle of God's grace. I just rattled off a nice list of, of things here uh, uh, that we need to add to our faith. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. All those things do not come because we decided to receive Christ. All these things don't come upon you automatically because we said, I do. All these things don't come upon us because we just chose them, but they come upon us subsequent to our salvation when we seek them. A lot of people have confused uh, the idea that we have to be perfect in order to be saved. No, salvation is the gift of God. Salvation comes by our faith because of His grace. What does that mean, Pastor Chad? I'm glad you asked what that means. It means that God sought us out first. He poured out His grace upon us that we might by faith receive Him and receive the reward of Jesus Christ and salvation in His name. We don't come to Him all cleaned up. We don't come to Him with worldly kindness and love and, and all these virtues in our lives. We come to Him as a sinner in need of a Savior. And all of us, Romans 3.23, have fallen short of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. There is none righteous no, not one. We might be good people, but we're still sinners. So salvation is the gift of God, which is activated by faith through the vehicle of God's grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God. We're going to add to our faith these things which Peter's talking about. But we can't obtain salvation through these items. Are you with me this morning? These are character uh, uh, flaws in our life that need to be filled after we come to salvation. So if you want to be called a Christian, if you want to live a Christian life because you have been saved, we owe it to ourselves and to everybody around us to add these things to our faith. Our faith is what God has said. Our faith is what redeemed us through the power and the grace of Jesus Christ. But we are not saved by our works. We are not saved because we can do this, that, or the other. We are saved simply because God loved us and gave us something for us. And by that grace, we obtain salvation. We look back on this, on these scriptures. And in verse 4, he said, He's given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these we might be partakers of the divine nature. 
future. What we need to understand is this. We were all born with a sin nature. Someone say amen. Nobody had to teach us how to sin. Why? Because it was built into us from the get-go. From the moment we took our first breath to the time we take our last breath, our ability to resist the sin nature is difficult. We are bound by this thing called the flesh. I want you to understand, we were born a soul and a spirit rather than a flesh body. And the, the, the Apostle Paul tells us that there's nothing good that lives in this flesh. This flesh is corrupted. It's corruptible. Why? Because we all have a sin nature. But here, the Apostle Peter is telling us that we can become partakers of the divine nature. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean by that. That when Jesus Christ died upon the cross for our sins and paid the penalty for our sins, that we might be redeemed back to God, and he was resurrected from the dead, he, he put an exclamation point upon it and said, I have come that you might have life, and that more abundantly, and that eternally. So what, what happens is we got that stamp on our weariness and saved, by his grace, but what also he, he provided in that is this, that now, because he did that for us, and we have salvation in his name, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of you. Why do I need the Holy Spirit? If you want to be a partaker of the divine nature, we need something in us that wasn't in us before. He said, I'm going to send you another help. A teacher, someone who has all the power, all the authority of God Himself, and He is God Himself, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will begin to impart unto us on the inside this divine nature. Now, the problem with that is this it's the flesh. Because the sin nature wants to always win, the sin nature is powerful. And we have coddled it, we stroked it, and we built it up, and we built a brick wall around it. Um, why? Because we like living in our sin. It's what feels good to this flesh. But the Bible says that we have to crucify this flesh. How do I do that? How, how, do, I, how do I build these, these building blocks of character in my life? The good news is this, is that he sent his Holy Spirit to do that very thing in us. Point number two. The Holy Spirit works in us to help us put these building blocks in place and keep them there. We don't have to just rely upon our own understanding. We don't have to rely upon our own thoughts, our own feelings, and our own sin nature flesh. No, we have something new that we didn't have before. It's a, he's called the Holy Spirit, and he will impart unto us the divine nature of God if we pursue it. That's important. God's only going to do so much. He provides the avenue. He provides the promises. He provides the power. He provides the peace. But you have to provide the perseverance. You have to provide the want to, the need to, the desire to. 
If we're going to have any kind of impact in this world for Christ, we must be partakers of the divine nature. Does that make us better than everybody else? No, it doesn't. It does not. But over and over and over and over in the scriptures, it tells us, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? That means I kind of jump around and act like a goofball. No, it doesn't mean anything. What it means is that I be more of Him, and I take in more of Him as much as I can possibly take. And He does the work in Be filled with Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says this. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. By the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And a lot of times, a lot of Christians, people who are young in Christ, will want to just kind of like uh, push that to the side, brush it to the side because I don't understand. I, I, I'm afraid of that. I'm afraid of this Holy Spirit that you're talking about. What is there to be afraid of? What fear should we have that the Holy Spirit's going to come and do something in us that we don't want it to do? No. The Holy Spirit comes and do everything that we need Him to do. Help us to bring this sin nature under, uh, under control. Help us to bring ourselves into alignment with God. Help us to bring ourselves into a relationship that grows every day with our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what we need the Holy Spirit for. Jesus said it this way. He said, everything that I've taught you, everything that I've said to you, everything that I've seen and I've done, the Holy Spirit will bring it back to your remembrance. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit brings everything that Jesus did into our lives helps us to live out a life that honors God and then brings in glory. A fruitful life. Why? Because you weren't saved just to sit on your salvation. You were saved for a purpose. God's purpose. You were saved for a plan. God's plan. But what is that plan? That, that plan is that none would perish and all would come to repentance and eternal life through Christ. It is, it is becoming upon us who are saved to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we might be effective in the world for Him. And that other people <coughs> be able to take your fruit. He said we're going to be fruitful. How do we become fruitful? We lean upon the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us to help us to acquire these building blocks of faith. Now, Jesus said that. And that's the faith that took us from sinner to, to saved. But that same faith has to get out of that seed phase. Because everything, if you look at the DNA of the seed, everything for mature, a mature, fruitful plant comes from a small seed. Everything that it needs to flourish into a fruitful plant is in that seed. Do you want to stay a seed all your life? That's not how God saved you. God saved us for his purpose and for his glory. That we would go from this 
mustard seed faith into a great faith that produces fruit. And this is what the Apostle Peter is talking about. Having heard from the Master himself, having been with him everywhere that he went, saw every miracle that he produced, saw every, or heard every sermon that Jesus ever, ever preached, every, every lesson Jesus ever taught. He's saying, this is what we are like. Point number three, the difference in someone who is a believer in Christ and a follower of Christ is proximity. Say it again. The difference in someone who is a believer in Christ and a follower of Christ is proximity. What do you mean? It means this, that, that Jesus had 12 disciples and out of that, three of them were, were tight. Closer they got to Jesus, the more power, love, goodness, and grace they obtained for their lives. Now, don't get me wrong, all the apostles uh, were around Jesus and, and hung out with Jesus and, and witnessed everything Jesus did. But of those 12, those three really died and got it very good. What I'm saying is this if we're standing a, a thousand feet away from Jesus, we're not going to hear what he has to say. If we're staying uh, at arm's length from Jesus, we're going to be a little bit closer, but we're not really going to get. But if we're up and close and personal with Jesus, which is what he wants anyway, that personal, close relationship with you and with me, then we will get what he's asking us to get. And we will, we will obtain what we need to obtain to be a fruitful Christian, to be a fruitful believer, and not just be a believer. Listen, God bless you if that's what you want. Salvation and that's it. Get your fire insurance. Right? I'm not going to hell. Heaven's got a place for me. I might be, you know, in the smallest of little mansions that they talk about up there. But is that good enough? Is that good enough? Is that really good motivation? Absolutely not. He gave us the motivation right here. We can obtain <coughs> exceedingly great and precious promises of God, but we can't do it if we're just sitting on our salvation and not living it out. And not growing in Christ. But wait, it's not for you. It's for everybody else to come down. My growth in Christ is for your benefit. Your growth in Christ is for your neighbor's benefit. Are you following what I'm saying? What we, what we can be a light in this dark world if we get closer to Jesus Christ, if we become more like Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, until Christ be formed in you. He said, I'm doing everything I can. I'm preaching everywhere I can preach. I'm witnessing everywhere I can witness. I'm, I'm performing miracles everywhere I can get. Why? So that Christ might be, might be formed in you. We want to grow in these attributes of character, of godly character. Why? Because other people are going to depend upon that. If Pastor Jason never grew in his faith, none of you would be here. Who 
<laughs> I wouldn't be here. I'd be somewhere else. Why? Because the character traits of Christ are what is required and what is needed for us to lead the world to Christ. If we're going to be a part of what God's called us to do and called us to be, we need to make sure that we that, that God imparts these things in our lives by the Holy Spirit. Because the world needs Jesus. The world needs Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, who once were afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians has told us it's the blood of Jesus Christ that draws us near to Christ. We are drawn to Jesus Christ by his crucifixion and resurrection. We are drawn to Jesus Christ by what he did on that cross and that purchased us from the depths of heaven, redeemed us from death to life. We were once afar off. We were once estranged from God. All of us did in our sins. But Jesus came and paid the price that we didn't have to be distant anymore. What I'm trying to say to you this morning is that we have to get close to Jesus. Not sit on the sideline. Not be a, a, a spectator. Because if we're just a spectator, we're going to be a couch potato. We're not going to be in the game. We're not going to be effective for Christ. We're not going to have. We're not going to do anything that has any eternal value in this life. God has saved us so that everything that we do has eternal value. Understand what I'm saying. This world is counting on you, those who are about to be to Christ. So here's what we got to do. Got to get closer. We gotta lean on the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, we gotta talk to Him. Holy Spirit, tell me. I need you. Teach me, Holy Spirit. Lead me, Holy Spirit. Get acquainted with the Holy Spirit because when you get acquainted closer with the Holy Spirit, you're getting acquainted closer with Christ. Why? Because He said that I am the Father of one. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit are one God not three different things. They are one. They are unified. They are the Trinity. And when you listen to one, you listen to them all. And how great is it this, that, that God saw fit to send his Holy Spirit to live in each one of us. It's a gift from God. Because how can God expect us to develop these character traits in our lives I'm going to be with the Father. I'm going to go sit on the right hand of the God. But I'm going to send you another helper. I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the teacher. I'm going to send you the one that's going to give you all the power you need to excel and to exceed what you ever thought. So the closer we get to Christ, the more fruitful we can become, and the more strength we can obtain, and the more promises. So much more to 
this Christian life than what Christians are, 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 are gaining. So much more. And we fail to obtain those things because we fail to grow in Christ. I'm not going to go over that. So we have to add these things to our faith as believers and followers of Christ. Let me start with the, the first one here in, in verse 5. He said, but for also for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Add to your faith virtue. What's virtue? Virtue is moral goodness. And, and on the first one thing that pops in our mind when we say virtue is patience is a virtue. Right? Anybody ever heard that one? Patience is a virtue. And it is. And I've heard so many Christians and even pastors and preachers <coughs> don't ever pray for patience. But here's my problem with that. The scriptures say we need it. God says we need patience. How many problems have we heaped upon ourselves in our lives because we've been impatient? How many people have we either got the fight with or almost got the fight with in traffic because we were impatient? Come on, somebody, I'm talking to you. I'm talking better than you're in the amen, I'm going to tell you that. Why? Because we have not obtained patience. Listen, we all got to understand something. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. We're in this for the long haul. And what you're going to need for the long haul is some patience. One of the greatest tools that I've ever obtained in my life. I, the last few years, I've gotten to woodworking, and I've built a few things, <clears throat> and they take a long time. And the one thing that I've gained from learning woodworking is patience. Because wood wants to do what wood wants to do. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it'll crack in a heartbeat, it'll do this, it'll do that, it'll move, it'll change, it'll, it'll expand, it'll contract, blah, 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 and try to do things right build something beautiful, it's hard. And so it's taught me patience. But also in, in ministry, and from the from the time that God says, hey, I want you to, to be a preacher. Hey, I want you to preach my word. It's, and it's been a long journey, and I'm like, okay, let's get started. Let's get all well, that's not what we want you to do. We want you to grow as a Christian. We want you to grow as a characteristic. We want you to, uh, 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 you know, to get to a place where you can have the position of moral authority. And God's delegated authority, but you're not going to do it now. Well, wait a minute, I thought that's what you wanted. No, it takes all this growth and all this preparation. I have, God said, I've got to prepare you for that. <laughs> you know, you just don't jump in a pulpit and start speaking, stop and spin. You've got to grow as a believer. You've got to grow as a child of God. You've got to acquire. See, because if I cut you loose in that, in that pulpit and your, your character is in there, then all you're going to do is destroy my people. That's a good point, Mark. And so, us as Christians, if, if we're going to have any impact in this world, we have to open our mouth and tell people about Jesus Christ and, and share, and, and because people got questions. 
You need to be prepared for these questions. You've got to be prepared. The Bible tells us to be prepared to give a, 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 an answer to those who inquire about your faith. How do I do that? I've got to be patient. I've got to patiently allow God to form in me the Christ-like But he said, he said, what I want you to do, I want you to start off with virtue. Add to this, add to your salvation, add to your faith this thing called virtue. Why? Because if you become morally good, if your moral character is above par, now you have a platform. Now you have the ability to represent me in the world. The problem with Christians today is we want to represent him, but we why? Because we still got too much sin in our life. Oh wait, I thought Jesus did away with that when he went to the cross for us. He did. He canceled out the debt that we paid that had to be paid for our sin. But here's the problem with it, is we still have the sin nature and we still go on sinning every day of our lives. Now, I'm not giving you a license to sin. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying even despite our, our best efforts, we are unable to overcome this thing in our life called sin. And from the day we were born to the day we died, we will do it every day. Now, now, we have the ability to crucify that virtue. How do we do that? Grow patiently in virtue. How do we do that? It's proximity to Jesus Christ. We are followers when we are close to Him. We're believers, but then we're followers when we get close to Him. We have to consistently get closer and closer to Jesus Christ. And it's possible. Our sin says, no, you can't do that. Your flesh says, no, I don't want you to do that. The devil says, no, I don't like you to do that either. But the truth of it is, the truth of the matter is this, unless we do, we will never grow in virtue. We have to. We have to. Why? Because your wife or your husband depends on that. Why? Because your brothers and sisters depend upon that. Why? Because the world depends on that. Your neighbors depend on that. Your co-workers depend on that. They're looking for somebody to say, this is the model of Jesus Christ. And if we're unwilling to do it, then they're going to see a, a really bad version of it. There was a, there was a, I, there was a movie written uh, a while back, probably 10, 15 years ago. And it was called, I think it said, uh, God Save You From Your Followers. <laughs> because we want to push God on everybody, but we don't want to represent Him properly. He said, I don't want you to push me on people. I want you to represent the Bible calls us, the Apostle Paul said that the Bible says that you are ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean? That means I am an authorized delegate to speak on behalf of God to people who don't know God. How do we get to that place? How do I get to be an ambassador? We have to apply the word of God. We have to apply the virtue, the new nature, the divine nature. And then he says, add to this virtue knowledge. What's knowledge? Knowledge is the understanding of who God is and what his will is. Too many of us don't even know God. 
Oh, we got salvation. We've received the grace. Listen, it's easy. That's the easy part. It's so easy. God did not make it difficult. It is so easy for us to receive the grace. Why? Because God offered it to us all the time. All the time. Mary, I want you to help me. Mary, I want you to receive salvation. Tommy, I want you to receive salvation. Right? We're reaching out to us all the time. Grace. And then when we say, yes, Lord, I believe. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. We think that that's the end of it. That's just the beginning of it. That's the easy part. He did all the work. We did nothing. You believe? That's it. But he said, I want you to build upon it. Knowledge. I want you to understand who I am, God says. Not only do I want you to understand who I am, I want you to understand what my will is for you and for this world. And we'll never get there if we just sit on our salvation. We'll never get there if we don't apply what Peter is telling us that we need to have the knowledge of God and of his will. Now, the greatest prayer you can ever pray besides the prayer of salvation is this. God, help me to know you. Help me to know you. Help me to do your will. And we can't know how to do his will unless we know him. If we know his heart, we can carry out his wishes. Pastor Jason's uh, uh, working this right now with his dad. Listen, his dad would have never left it up to Pastor Jason if Pastor Jason didn't know his dad in and out. He's making decisions for things that his dad has left behind. Because he knows the heart of his father. He knows the will of his father. He can carry out the, the purpose and the plan that his father has left behind. We, what have we got? How are we going to do this thing? We say, well, that's somebody else. That's Pastor Jason's job. He needs to know the will of God. That's his fault. We don't do it. Thank you. Thank you. We need to know. I need to know. Because we are in this thing together. It's not his job, it's not the Jed's job, it's not Tommy's job, it's not Boyd's job. It's all of our jobs. And if we know him, we know what his will is, then we can do something about it. And he said to add to this knowledge self control. Ooh, there's another one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that. Self-control. It's the ability to go against our own sin nature and win. Huh? You know, most sin is born out of selfishness. That's the truth. Every addiction that we've ever come across, and we've done sin, celebrate recovery for 10 years. And I, and I know what addiction is like because I was an alcoholic up to about 25 years ago when I turned it over to Christ. I had no control over the alcohol I was consuming. It had all the control and I had none. But here God's saying to us, I've got something for you that will help you to overcome your selfishness and give you some self-control. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pour him out on you as much as you want. we got to add to our faith the self-control because our sin nature wants to win and it will continue to win until we put a stop to it. The Bible tells us we have to crucify this flesh. 
Daily. Oh wait, you mean he wakes up and revives every day? Sure he does. We killed him yesterday, but he, what kind of what kind of demon is this that comes after us every day, loves the man, works hard for man, and then we kill him and he comes back to life every day? It's the sin nature. You can't escape it from the time you were born. Like I said, the time you die, your sin nature is with you, and it will win unless you stop. Something else has to win. Divine nature has to win. When you came to that intersection of your life, when you looked at the cross, and you saw Jesus Christ hanging there, every drop of blood that came from that cross was for our healing, for our redemption, for our salvation. When you came to that crossroads and you said, Jesus, I see you on that cross, I see what you did for me. I see the penalty that you paid for me, the price that you paid to redeem me. He gave us that nature from that point on. And so that nature has to win. And with that nature, with the new nature, the, the, the divine nature wins when we obtain self-control. The neighbor depends on it. The family depends on it. I have to why? Because I can break out into a rage. I can break out in anger. I can break out in whatever. Why? Because if the sin nature wins, there's no, there's no telling what, what you're capable of. I'm capable of what, what destruction. We need self-control. Guess what? <laughs> you're not going to get a whole lot of it if you're not so let's, start, let's go back to that virtue that call patience. How do I get self-control? Why you start with patience? And you work your way down. It said, add to your self-control perseverance. Perseverance. Pastor, you don't know, I've been stuck in this sin for half my life. I can't get rid of it. I pray it out every day and I can't get rid of it. I pray for healing every day. Bible tells us we have to persevere. Add to your faith perseverance. Because guess what? One of these days it's going to break off in your life. One of these days you're going to come in front of the right person and they'll pray with you and impart something into you that'll knock that thing out. Maybe you'll come to Pastor Jason. Maybe you'll come to Jen. Maybe you'll come to Tanya. Maybe you'll come to Victoria. Anybody. And, and, and you get real with God. You're persevering in your faith. And your per perseverance is going to pay off. Do not stop one moment short of your miracle. We tell that to everybody all the time at Celebrate Recovery. Don't stop one moment short of your miracle. You've got to persevere in this thing. Why? Because it's the thing that's holding you back. Perseverance is the ability to move forward, to grow, even when circumstances and people are against you. Because guess what? Circumstances and people are the that's a, that's a matter of fact in this world. And they, like we say, celebrate recovery. Just because you think that you have something in, in your, uh, standing strong in your recovery, don't forget that the enemy's out there doing push-ups in the parking lot as soon as you leave these doors 
He's waiting there for you, trying to invade your life. We have to persevere beyond that to get to a place where it's an automatic rejection of those things that have brought us down in the past. It's an automatic rejection of the sin nature that wants to creep up on us and dictate to us how we should live. We've got to persevere through all of it. We've got to persevere from the day you got saved to the day you die. Because guess what? All those things can come right back. That's why we need to be in proximity. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to feed the divine nature. Your new nature is going to win if you feed that new nature. If you don't, sin nature is going to Add to your perseverance godliness. Godliness is the ability to live daily as a reflection of the attributes and character of God. Now listen, it's not telling us that we have to be God. It's telling us that we have to live in a, in a way that reflects the attributes and the character of God. How can I be the ambassador for Christ if I don't live in a way that reflects his character, his goodness, his love, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his truth, his righteousness? All these things that, that, that encompass what God's character is, we need to be a reflection of. I don't have to be. It's the ability to daily live as a reflection of the attributes and character of God. And add to Godliness, brotherly kindness. What's that? It's the ability to walk out the world's rule to view others as better than yourselves. How do I do that? That's a hard, that's a hard, hard thing. And we, me and my wife, <laughs> I shouldn't say it. I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to anyway, because that's just what I do. We had this thing we, we say all the time that, that says, you can't fix it. <laughs> you can't fix it. Because we see people doing dumb things all the time. And we kind of make light of it, but it's, it's, it's a sad reality. Because there's destruction in that. There's harm and hurt in that. People do dumb things all the time. I do dumb things all the time. Um, but you can't fix stupid. God can fix stupid. Stupid is as stupid does. And that's, that, that, uh, you'll get that in a minute. You'll know where that came from. But it's the reality. It's the truth. Stupid is as stupid does. You ain't stupid. You just do stupid things. Right? But, uh, but looking at people that do dumb things, Extending brotherly kindness to them is what we're talking about. That's it, because people are going to do stupid things that are going to do them all kinds of the rest of your life. Your family, your friends, your in-laws, your outlaws, everybody's going to do it. So, if we have the patience and the virtue and the love and the godliness, we can extend brotherly kindness. That's going to do other. I, I got like, all I got to do is go back to the simple thing. I have to view others as better than myself. What does that do? That puts humility above pride. Because it was the other way around when we first got saved. The one thing that God hates most is pride. The one thing God gets more than just by anything is pride. Because pride comes before what? Oh. 
We fall because of pride. What was Jesus? Jesus didn't have any pride. He was the Son of God. He, was, he had all the power of heaven and earth at his disposal. You think he could have been proud about that? He was humble and had humility and meekness. Why? Because he saw everybody else on the planet better than himself. <clears throat> More valuable than himself. If we would begin to look at people and say, you're better than me. We would have a total change in outlook in our lives. We'd have a total different perspective on how God sees us. Imagine, think to yourself for just a moment how God would see you. He looked at us with absolute, unrestricted, unfaithful love. He looked at us better. How do I know? Because he paid the biggest price that could ever be paid for him. He didn't matter how dumb he was. And I'm dumb all the time. He paid the price. We'll go to the last thing I want to talk about. Probably the most important. Add to brotherly kindness and love. What's love? Come on, man. I set you up. I set you up. Okay, what is love? And, and Corey said it very well last week. It's the ability to seek the other person's highest good, even at personal expense. How in the world am I going to do that? I don't even love myself. Now, that was something you thought just now. I can't love myself. Why don't I love myself? That it's not in you to be able to love other people. Because our sin nature prevents us from doing that. It's only when we become partakers of the divine nature that we are able to love anything with yourself. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believe upon him will not perish but have eternal life. Love us. Everyone in the world, everyone that would ever be in the world, that he provided an avenue of salvation at his highest expense. How do we know what love is? We look at the cross. We look at the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and say that was the most selfless act in the history of man. We can go on to the Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, and go through that whole bit. But the reality is, if you bring it down to one thing, it's the ability to seek the other person's highest good, no matter who that other person is. That's love. That's love. And love, it is built upon all these other character attributes and is the end goal for every follower and believer of Jesus Christ. It's the end goal. He said, I'm taking you through these things, these attributes, these character traits that I want to impart onto you so I get you to a place where you can love. And we can't get to this place where we can love if we're sitting on our salvation and saying it's not my job, it's their job. And the greatest blessing 
that you'll ever obtain in this life or any other. And it will fill you with love. Because it takes you back a thousand times over. You want to touch the heart of God? Start loving. Start loving people that are unlovable. Listen, there's a lot of people out there that it's hard to love them. That's where this character trait building blocks come into play. Peter knew it because he saw it displayed every day in the life, in the heart, and in the eyes of Jesus Christ. You can too. Draw near. Get close. Get filled with the Spirit of God. Put these building blocks of faith into practice in your life because somebody. We're going to close this service this morning this way. We're going to open this altar. I know there's nowhere to really, no one really kneel on this ground. We can stand there. We can lift our hands to heaven. And we can pray. God, fill me with your virtue. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. God, help me to have brotherly kindness. God, help me to have patience. God, help me to love people. God, help me to have self-control. God, help me to overcome the sin in my life. God, help me on this journey. And I might grow in character and represent you well. This also is open. If you would like to come and pray, I want to pray with the time when you pray Pastor Casey wants to pray. Jim wants to pray with you. There's a lot of people out here want to pray with you. But we need to get in our hearts and in our minds that we got to do something. I can no longer afford to sit on the sideline. I can no longer afford to just let, leave it up to everybody else in the church to do it. I've got to become what God has called me to become. Would you take a stand for yourself? Would you take a stand for people that see Jesus in you. Let's take an effort today. The first thing we need to do is take a step. And then take the next step. And then take the next step. All you have to do is take the next right step. If you want to come and pray, if you have a need, a physical need, if your body needs healing in your body, I want to pray for you. If you have yet to receive salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ, let today be that day. Come to us all for how to pray to be come and help you in that process. Pastor Jason wants to help you in that process. No greater privilege in this life than leading someone in that, in that prayer for salvation. If you have a need that you need to overcome something in your life, I want to pray. We want to pray with you. Don't leave this life on your face. Make your way to the soft and soft.